This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the old sous chef of the garden, Frank. You are not old. Thank you very much. I was fishing for that. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Yeah, I did indeed. Yeah, here we are on uh, the last Saturday of August. Yeah. Oh, Godfrey Daniels. That. Where did it go? Where? Like, didn't it didn't even arrive? I know. What's well, a good point? Where did it go? <laughs> yeah, right. when's it coming? <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are, ready to talk. Uh, digging in the dirt, planting, uh, harvesting, well, doing doing whatever to do with the garden. And uh, spoken the, as a thank true you. sous chef. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and beside me sits the one and only Charlie Dobbin. You can talk to her by calling these numbers: four one six. Three six zero zero seven forty. That's the Toronto uh, line, really, and then anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And the first voice you will hear will be that of James Patrick Dooley, who will be uh, answering the lines. Uh, give him a big uh, shout out when you call. Say hiya, James. How you doing? Or well, worse to that effect. And <laughs> and then uh, you'll be talking to Charlie in, in short order. Meantime, though, as is our one, oh yeah, our our mantra, our mantra yes, is sir. call early, call often. One question per call. And if you're a first time caller, let James know, and we'll give you the sound of the old wind chimes. That's assuming the wind is blowing today. Yes, we're not knows? sure. <laughs> we'll do our best. Going, I don't yeah. know. Well, considering you're here, I don't see why we ever have shortages of wind. <laughs> Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Much. All right, here's a little bit of uh, things to put in your calendar. I know. Let's start I off. Put on something somewhere. Okay? <laughs> the right foot, shall we? <laughs> Slap poor little Frank around. All right. All right. There we go. Uh, okay. So it's all good. It's, it's all good. It's okay. August 30th. It's a bit of a gray day, and they say it's going to be really, really warm today. And, yeah, humid, hot, and humid. Yeah. So I'm. It's very funny getting dressed today. I had a whole idea of what I was going to wear, and then I heard the weather and wore totally different clothes. And as you can see, I sort of dug them out of my laundry basket. Anyway, here we are. (laughs) Tuesday, September the 2nd. So that's obviously this coming Tuesday. After this lovely long weekend, join the Pine Ridge Garden Club meeting and fall flower and vegetable show. Speaker is Brian Mealy. His topic is all about garlic. Can't go wrong there. Planting, growing, and braiding. The meeting takes place at the Nestleton Hall, 3971 Highway 7A in Nestleton at 7.30 p.m. And all will be most welcomed. On next Saturday, September the 6th, from 2 to 4.30, be wowed at the Agent Court Garden Club Flower Show and Competition. There will be 111 different categories of flowers, vegetables, and designs, 
on display for your viewing pleasure. So open to the public between 2 and 4.30 only. And that's, of course, take photos, talk to experts, you know, ask questions, have a cup of tea, uh, socialize. Of course, there'll be food and all kinds of things going on. Uh, Very fun group, Asian Court Garden Club, Knox United Christian Education Center is where they meet, 2575 Midland Avenue, near Shepherd in Asian Court. Two things going on the following Wednesday, September the 10th. Number one, the Burlington Hort Society will will be holding their general meeting and flower show. A lot of flower shows at this time of year. People are competitive. Okay, you think gardeners are just a bunch of fun people? You know, everybody has fun and they share information and plants and seeds and oh, they just right down to the wire with oh, I'm gonna beat you, and who wins the most? Go, you know, red ribbons and oh yes, it's very fun. Competitive, completely competitive. Huge amount of pride goes into the you know fruits of everyone's labors, and this is the show off time. These flower shows and and vegetable competitions. So of course, Burlington, like I say, Wednesday, September. 10th, 7.30 p.m. They meet at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane in Burlington. They'll be having a speaker, David Woods, of Wild Birds Unlimited. Oh, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. I love that store. Uh, The topic is backyard bird gardens and preparing feeders for winter. Refreshments and, again, all are welcome. Same day, Wednesday, September 10th. The uh, closer to home here, the Riverdale Hort Society will be meeting. Their speaker is Frank Kershaw. He is the former head gardener for the city of Toronto. He's a garden tour leader. He's lecturer at George Brown College and a favorite speaker at the Riverdale Hort Society. He's, they have, there's a potluck that evening. There's an awards program. There's a, and his slide presentation is on color in garden design. The Riverdale Hort Society meets at the Frank Land Community Center, um, which is just south of the Danforth, I believe, on Logan Avenue. I don't have that information here. Yes, but I'm pretty sure I'm right there. I always wait for this moment to happen. I know. It's like, I have it all. And so here's the phone. Oh, I don't have the phone number. I don't have the phone number. But you know, you can always check, and it's worth checking. Yeah. All the Hort Associations are on the web. Mm-hmm. under Ontario Horticultural Association. So go to, you know, just Google Ontario Horticultural Association, get to that main page, and there's every uh, society and association well, that's handy. alphabetically. Yeah. So you want to know about Riverdale, go to R, go to Riverdale. It shows when they meet, where they meet, what's the schedule of events for 14, and perhaps even 15 is up on the well, calendar. Then we could bypass this whole part of the program. And just get everybody and to just, go to the web. Yeah, go to the web right now. Now, okay, let's take our first caller. But not but everybody no. knows that they have a horticultural society right in their own backyard. I'm kidding. And you know, it's it's not I think the horticultural societies really appreciate the notes that you pass along. I would hope they do because I think that some of these are really really good uh, events. And and she only charges 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, lunch. right. Yeah. It's... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um going back to birds though. Can we just talk about birds for a quick oh, minute? This show is for the birds. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I love birds, okay? They are part of my Mm. circle of life in my yard. So there's bugs and there's birds and there's plants and there's water and there's all kinds of things. And there's cats. Ah, yes. And never the twain Well, (laughs) yes, I've got cats with wings now. Well, you know why? Because the finches, the goldfinches, I didn't realize this, their babies are just fledging now. They are really, really late to lay their eggs. They lay their eggs, obviously, in the summer, and they only just um, eggs, you know, little babies are just emerging. And those horrible cats, all those orange cats that sit in my backyard who are, I love them to death. I'm just, now I've got bells on every body part. (laughs) 
You would not believe how many bells these cats are draped in. Every foot, every tail, every ear has got a bell hanging on it. <laughs> um, the mental picture. Oh, you should hear much. it out there. It's just a jingle jangle. It's just crazy. But yeah, I'm feeling like the birds need protection, oh. and that's part of my job because I, I love the cats, but it's, I love the birds too. Okay. Well, with that all said, <laughs> you I got love, a real vision. There, I, don't I you? certainly did, and it was not good. Anyway, uh, we have to push right along here. Okay. And uh, we're coming back. The lines are jammed right at the moment. Thank you, James. And uh, we'll talk to all the uh, callers, including, uh, first off, John in Mississauga. We'll be to you very shortly, John, right after these words on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, fond good morning here to John calling in from Mississauga. Come on, everybody, well, get hello. up on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids, it's Brian Pinoff. Come on back to where the good times never end. The rock and roll radio of Saturday Night Bandstand. <laughs> Tonight at 7, I'll be featuring the music style of doo-wop and the top five countdown from 1962. Saturday Night Bandstand on AM 740. Well, John and Mississauga, you do a wonderful <laughs> impression of Brian Peroff. Honest well, to Pete. Did you see me doing that, right? Yeah, that was fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I got up and started dancing. Dancing was good. Uh, I could see you. Good man, John. <laughs> good morning to both of you. And you. What's uh, going on? Charlie, I have, uh, I don't know if it's a problem with my soil. Um... Uh, I planted garlic, uh, um, well, a portion of my garden. Tomatoes I have coming out of my ears. No, good. Um, Actually, my wife is making seven jars this morning. Nice. But anyhow, um, the garlic, first of all, I had maybe 70, 70, what do you call it, uh, cloves of garlic, right? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I didn't even maybe, if I took 30, that's plenty. I don't know, it became all soggy. Oh, okay. And, but... I, I remember asking you last year mm-hmm. that I put, you know, I buried all the uh, apples. Right, that's right, yep. Right, before, not that was last year, last October. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so I wonder, now, when I took the garlic out, mm-hmm. you know, the soil was dry, and I put beans. Mm-hmm. You know, and usually we do that. <clears throat> I've been doing that for a few years. Yeah. And... And it usually will have, you know, success. You know, we have some beans in September, October, mm-hmm. but not this time. Nothing came up. Nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it is. But, but does it sound like the garlic crop wasn't as good as you had expected it? Some no, of it had rotted? N- no, no, most of it rotted. Okay. I don't know. I know, I mean, I wasn't here this summer. I, I, I mean, in July I wasn't here. Okay. Um, I was in Malta for five weeks, but... But when I came back in, 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 um, in July, mm-hmm. I took them off. <clears throat> and the other, the other ones that I have around my fruit trees, they were perfect. Okay. This is what surprised me. In other words, if the, if the ground was wet yes. for the garden, you know, for the uh, garlic mm-hmm. that is in the garden, mm-hmm. it was wet near the fruit trees too. You would think. That's what I thought. That's why, like I said, you know, can you tell me what's the problem? Well, okay, I'm just trying to think about this. So... 
think about it, though. <clears throat> Around the trees, I mean, the trees have roots, and the trees are taking some of that moisture out of the soil. Mm-hmm. We did definitely have a very wet summer. So mm-hmm. while you were away, uh, it, you know, nobody needed to, to water for you. We had mm-hmm. sufficient moisture in most of southern Ontario that none of us really pulled sprinklers out at all this year. No, and no. you can see the grass is still green, and, mm-hmm. you know, things look good. So. I'm wondering if maybe it was just a case, well, okay, it could be a grading issue that there's the water is collecting where the garlic was and moisture was collecting and sitting, causing the garlic to rot versus the garlic that was closer to the trees, the moisture was being pulled out of the soil more quickly because mm-hmm. the trees were taking some of it. Or it's a little higher elevation there, so the garlic ended up a little higher and not it wasn't quite as soggy. Could it be that? Um, best thing, though, I would suggest, because if you, none of your bean seeds germinated since Not- you took the garlic out, mm-hmm. and the um, and the, you know, I mean, I deal with very heavy clay where I am as well, and I tend to raise my beds as a result and and garden higher than than ground level just to try and make sure that there isn't a, a you know moisture issue when we get into such you know days and days of rain. Mm-hmm. You could, and I would maybe recommend that you do this because you are quite a keen gardener and you've got a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should go and get some of the soil tested, like yeah. properly tested mm-hmm. at one of the uh, soil testing labs. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, it crossed my mind to tell you, Drew, because, like I said, I've never had this problem. But the thing is that the, the, the tomatoes, which is part of the, uh, you know, of the garden. Same garden, yeah. Well, I'm telling you, I have beautiful tomatoes. Yeah, and if I may say so, you remember that, that hybrid tomato? Mm-hmm. My wife kept the seeds. Yeah. And I had a tomato over three pounds. Oh, wow. One wow. tomato was over three pounds. I like the way you had. Have you already eaten that one? <laughs> well, yeah, 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 we did. Used it as a basketball. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Door stop. So, yeah, I don't want to hold you long, but um, no, but that's so good. The, the problem is uh, it's that I have to test that. I would. I would test the soil uh, anywhere in your – like there are – I'm going to give you the website and you're going to go and look up the soil testing labs. The closest one is at the University of Guelph. Okay. You can e- <clears throat> excuse me, email them. They'll send you a package in the mail, uh-huh. which provides you with the proper, like a box to put the soil in, to then return it to them, where they will test it, uh, and then they'll email you the results of the test. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm going to give you that information once we get off the phone on where to get that, and it will on the website it will clearly tell you how to take a soil sample mm-hmm. and whether you should take samples from different parts of your garden. Oh, and, I will. Yeah. Yeah, and then you mix them all together in a pail, and then it's just a a portion of what's in the pail that goes in. Uh, but we, depending on what we're growing, like if, because Frank's kind of got a puzzled look on his face. No, I'm but just, if it's a veg, big vegetable yeah. garden, you don't just take it in one spot, like one soil sample in one spot and say, okay, I'm growing vegetables mm-hmm. in, you know, 800 square feet. Here's one sample. Mm-hmm. You take like six samples from all around the garden, six throw it all in a pail, mix it all up, take a portion of that and say, mm-hmm. I'm growing vegetables in, you know, 800 square feet mm-hmm. or whatever the so, case may so be. So University of Guelph. Yep. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you. alma mater, whatever it's called. That's right. The old alma mater. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to get the proper uh, um, website here and I will announce it shortly. Hey, thanks for calling, John. Okay, thank you. Thank Have you. Good you too. Bye-bye. Through your question, John, we're going to be probably helping out a lot of people. I think this is a marvelous service that uh, the University of Guelph uh, passes along. It's not uh, free. Uh, no. Oh, it isn't free? Well, no, it's, it's okay. Uh, yes, the website would be, or have you got that yet? I don't have that yet. 
Oh, okay. Well, something's coming up in Toronto, but uh, okay, hold on. Resident, test my vegetable. So, okay, the master gardeners. What you read there? It is right there. Um, okay, it's accredited. Point, yeah. See, it's all about the accredited soil testing labs. Uh, so, your closest one, like I say, is in Guelph. If you live in the Toronto area, there's two. Uh, so, <clears throat> easiest thing is send an email to. What does that say? A F L I N FO. Athlin Foe at uoguelph.ca, universityofguelph.ca. Or better still, why don't you give them a call? <clears throat> that, that might, and then they can get mm-hmm. the information. Phone number for the University of Guelph uh, Laboratory Services, 519-767-6299. That's 519-767-6299, okay? Or email AF as in Frank. L I N F O A F L info at uoguelph.ca. Right. And we have to take a little break here. We're already way over time. 924, actually coming up 925 here on the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Back shortly. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, let's move along to our next caller, actually our second caller, my good heavens, we're... We're pushing along here, not fastly, fastly <laughs> enough. What the heck is that? Rapidly enough. Sharon in West Lauren, all I'm trying to say is welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Sharon. Happy fall. Oh, not yet. Summer gone. Well, it's yeah. still summer technically. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what I'm calling for, if you can answer my question, mm-hmm. um, I want to put some fresh earth on my flower beds, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering whether to put it on now like after everything dies down mm-hmm. or should i wait till spring and put it on then either works oh, Wh- whatever okay. works best for you is the best thing to do okay whenever so, i've got time yeah exactly yeah. and sometimes it's nicer to work in the fall because you know we get those crisp days where it's a perfect working weather yeah. and the sun is shining and uh putting that and now make sure that it, when you say fresh soil you're going to have some soil delivered to your house no I've got, I've got it, I bought it in bags, like oh, the black okay. soil. Perfect, yep. Yes, yep. yep. No, I bought some when it was, when it was cheap. Yeah, so and, yeah, uh, just sprinkle that I, on. Can I, uh, or should I, uh, mix some, um, um, oh, not peat moss. Um, uh, manure? You know, no. Compost? Um, Compost. Yep. And that with it too. Excellent. Or should I just. Nope. Be the best. Because yeah. the black soil is good, but mixed with some compost is even better. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just pick a nice day. And like I say, you can do it anytime this fall. Every garden, like if our garden soil is healthy and alive and full of organic material like it should be, then it should very naturally also be constantly decomposing mm-hmm. because all the little microorganisms are constantly chewing up the soil and making it disappear. So all of us, if we have good, healthy soil, should be planning every single year a minimum of a half-inch top dressing on all of our gardens just to keep them level. Because okay. otherwise it just disappears right before your eyes. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. So that okay. just Thank keeps it at grade. Much and have a good weekend. <laughs> Thank you. You Thank too. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. 
You are listening to The Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio. And we broadcast live from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, where it's kind of a cloudy day. And I'm sure that's the case pretty well where you are, too. They are talking some storms later this afternoon, perhaps. Keep those brawlies handy. Earl in Uxbridge. Oh, first-time caller. Hey, good morning and welcome to the show, Earl. We've got the wind chimes for you. Hello. Good morning. There they are. Welcome to the show. Hi, Earl. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Okay. And my flocks, last Mm -hmm. year it was beautiful. And this year, it uh, I've got about four stalks that's got a half a dozen flowers on them. Brown and crispy? The, uh, the other stalks just seemed to look like they were going to seed. I, I pruned them all back Yeah, now. Yeah, I would the, do that. The, those, that uh, the ones with the flowers, I've left them uh, mm-hmm. there. But I was just wondering what what would happen to it. Okay, so this, because of the kind of wet year we've had and the moisture and the humidity levels, it has been perfect for the mildew that happily grows on our flocks. So many of us went from nice green flocks to brown and crispy flocks in a very short period of time. So very good. Anything that's brown and crispy, cut it down. Uh, Don't keep it on the property. You know, that goes out to the landfill or out in one of your your bags uh, off the property because there are fungal spores on the brown crispy bits on the flocks. Keep in mind as well that not all flocks is the same. Some will very much be resistant to any kind of a mildew and other flocks will get covered in mildew and then, like I say, brown and crispy very quickly. Uh, So sometimes we, we have to choose a resistant variety if we're continuing to have problems that the flocks just doesn't perform well. Uh, well it, this has been there for uh, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's always been nice yep. until this year. Until this year. Yeah, and I, I'm putting it down to weather this year. That yeah. That's what's done it. And the other thing is, keep in mind, if the, the clump has gotten bigger over those seven years and more dense. And as we have that humidity and that rain, the leaves stay wet. As the clumps get bigger, there's less air circulation. So just something to consider as well would be to se- separate, divide that clump to make Make it smaller mm-hmm. so that you you know take that clump as it is, turn it into four uh, clumps and separate them out, get some sun and some air and some wind uh, around the plants, and you're not as likely to have the problem in the future. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much for thanks, your call. Thanks for the call. Emma in Bolton, let's get you on the air now and talking to Charlie Dobbin. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I've had a nightmare in my garden this year. Why? I, I had white fly infestation. Ooh, now, uh, I think what caused is I overwintered some geraniums, mm-hmm. and I noticed they were kind of pale, you know, the end of the season or whatever, the, the winter. Mm-hmm. So I put them in the greenhouse with my tomatoes that I started in a home, you know. Mm, and they and got the white fly. I think that's what probably they came from, and they yeah. spread all over my, I have a huge country garden. Mm. <laughs> they were all over my flocks everywhere. So yep. I got them under control. I got rid of them. Actually, my flocks are beautiful still. Yeah, Unbelievable. Good. No mildew either. Oh, good. Um, my tomatoes are very late. They're just green because uh, I grow the huge big ones. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're going to ripen. But now the black fly came back about three weeks ago. And I lost two rows of lettuce. Mm. Totally. Like, I didn't know what was going on at first. It's, oh, my God, like I'm watering. They're wilted. Yeah. And it was the, the flies are back. Okay. 
So what um what I'm worried is about next year. Will they overwinter? They will they will not overwinter outside, oh, but they good. will overwinter on plants that you plan to bring in, like geraniums. Okay, well, as long as they don't overwinter outside cuz <clears throat> 40 years I've been gardening out here and never I had such an experience. Yeah, no, they will die in the winter. Oh, thank God. So yeah, so but that's going to be your thing is you're not going to be allowed to bring anything in this this right. uh, oh, or if you do monster, yeah. you will uh, very much treat spray, isolate, mm-hmm. you know, set up a, a little isolation ward for whatever little clippings you want to bring in. And, uh, you know, right through till January, make mm-hmm. sure those are, are pest-free before they get mixed in with any of your other plants that you're oh. going to start from seed. Okay. okay. All right. All I'm right. just glad that they won't be overwintering outside. Yes, they won't. No problem there. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. Okay. Thank you, Emma. Have okay. a great day, and uh, thank you for listening to AM 740 yeah. Zoomer Radio. And we know someone else uh, is listening, too, and that would be Mary in Brampton. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I have a question again again about my amaryllis that refuses to dine, and I want to put it in the garage to put it to sleep. Mm-hmm. I stopped watering it. Okay. Soil is dry. Good. Can I put it in the garage now, or should I wait another month? Are there any? Are any of the leaves yellow or brown, or are they no, all still no, green? <laughs> None of them. It's a happy plant. I'm telling you. <clears throat> what I would do, okay, when did you last water it? Uh, I would say about four days ago, and it is quite dry. I'm looking at the soil. It's really dry. Okay. So what I would do is I would keep it wherever you've got it, the sunny location, uh, until it turns brown. But do not water it. Okay. And it will it will slowly turn yellow. Then it will turn brown and crispy. Then all the leaves will fall, flop down onto the table. And at that point, you're going to remove the leaves oh, and go into your, okay. your dark situation. Okay. I mean, it's crazy. It, it, it looks like it's, it's June instead of almost. Well, some people don't. Like, see, what you're going to do is you're going to force it to go dormant because as long as you keep watering it and keep it in the sun It'll it's going to keep growing yeah. and some people allow that to happen they allow their amaryllis just to grow as a tropical plant year-round and every now and then they'll pop flowers out well not for nothing it's not a very nice looking plant it no it point. takes up a lot of room yeah, yeah. Okay. and uh, oh, whoops hello okay, sorry about that. uh happy late Day. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's great. Thank Good you. Good luck with that. Okay, take it easy. Okay, bye-bye. 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 Bye. There's one of our favorite callers from Brampton, yeah. Mary. And, uh, hey, we're going along to, um, well, just around the corner, actually, here in Toronto. A first-time caller, Christine. First of all, the wind chimes for Christine. Oh, there they are. There Hi, Charlie. Good morning. Hi, Charlie. I love your program. Thank you. I listen to you faithfully. <laughs> Charlie, yep. I have a white orchid sitting on a windowsill, and I was told to keep it alive, I need to put in two ice cubes every week. Mm-hmm. Is that possible, Charlie? Okay, well... <laughs> They did come up with this idea of ice cubes as a way to water orchids because that way, number one, you're giving it very consistent water, amount of water, and the water is being uh, provided in a slow fashion as the ice cubes melt, which is actually what orchids really like. They like that opportunity to kind of do that slow absorption of that moisture. However, if I was an orchid, I wouldn't want people to put ice cubes around me. I would find that quite shocking, actually. So what I've been having really good luck with, with my orchids, is, and I don't do this every time I water, so I don't do this every week, but I try to do this at least every month. And um, I do just regular watering in between with just a watering can, room temperature water. But at least once a month, I'll fill a pail with water, let it sit overnight, 
And then the next day, I take each of my orchid plants and I, I immerse the entire plant underwater. Okay. So the leaves go in, the pot goes in, the, all the bark, some of it floats to oh. the top of the water. I'll often put some fertilizer in this water just to even make it a, a more, you know, better bath, if you will. Right. Right. And uh, I, I leave the orchid down in that pail. I'll hold it yeah. down underwater until all the air bubbles have escaped. Okay. Which is great because you want to fill all the pockets, which are currently filled with air, you want to blast the air out and get water in there. Exactly. And then what well, that takes five, ten minutes, orchid comes out of the pail, sits in the sink until all that water, you know, kind of drains okay. away into the sink, and then it's back onto the windowsill. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Charlie. You're very welcome. And Frank, I have to tell you, I miss your sentimental journey so much. Oh. I really loved your program. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay, bye. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, I okay. miss it too. And Frank's yeah. going to get sentimental just thinking about it. <laughs> it's just like the last, you know, the first day of school coming yeah. up on Tuesday. Yeah. I heard this conversation, Honest to Pete. This uh, boy, little guy says, uh, Oh, I don't want to go back to school. <laughs> the kids all hate me. The Teachers all hate me. And the woman says, you've got to go back to school. <laughs> Teachers don't all hate you. The kids don't all Besides, you're the principal. You have to go back. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, I bet yeah, you I did. did. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ellen. Good morning. Welcome from Brantford. First time caller. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah. Here come the wind chimes. There they are. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Thank you very much. I'm calling because I have a Jack Manny Clematis mm-hmm. that is drying up and dying. And uh, the conditions have been the same for three years. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening with it. Okay, so when, when you say drying up, when you look at the plant, it's right now it's climbing up a fence or a trellis somewhere, yeah. right? So if we looked at that that vine that's going up the fence or trellis, we would see some green leaves, but we would also see some brown crispy leaves. Am I right? Yes. Right. I don't, well, I don't see much in the way of green. Okay. Well, it started originally, it was all green, yes. and then one, one, just one stem in that vine went brown. That's exactly right. And yes. it actually started by being all kind of wilted looking, and then it turned brown, yes. and then over a period of a two, three weeks, whatever, more and more of the stems turned brown. First they wilted, then they turned brown. Yeah. Because you have something called, it's actually called that, clematis wilt. Mm. So what is that? That is a bacteria that lives in the soil, and once it's there, there's nothing you can do about it. It will always be there. However, how do you keep it from infecting your clematis every year? Because every spring, the clematis comes up beautifully, and then as the season progresses, we some of it gets lost due to the wilt. Best thing I can suggest... I mean, there are some sprays out there, but I've personally never put a lot of energy into spraying for this because I don't think they're very effective. What you want to do is in the spring, you will cut down your Jack Manny clematis as you should. You get out there when the new growth just starts to show, little buds are starting to show on the old growth because we leave all that sort of scraggly looking vine up all winter. But in the spring, we cut everything right down. We leave the, the, all the stems eh, approximately eight inches tall from the ground up haircut right across all that top growth goes off into the compost what we're keeping behind you do a very careful cleaning up and the, th- the reason i'm saying careful is because clematis is very brittle and when we're in there trimming it in the spring all it takes is a, a kind of a banging it or or bumping into it or or getting your clippers too close and you get little splits in the stems or in the bark and you've opened a wound and it's that wound that 
opens up the plant for the wilt to enter the plant, which then will wilt later in the season. So right now it's all crispy. Should yeah. I just cut it right down to the ground? No, no, I wouldn't. Um, if it's all crispy and it looks pretty silly, you could cut it down, but I wouldn't go right down to the ground. I'd still leave it at least about uh, a foot high right now. Okay. And then next spring, when all the new growth starts to pop, you'll look, take a couple inches off the top. So you'll go down to about eight inches tall at that point. So and if, fertilize. If this is in the soil all the time. Mm-hmm. Is it something I'm going to fight all the time or should I... Should I replace the clematis? Because we're hoping for a wedding in the spring. But you see, you don't see this clematis wilt in the spring. You have beautiful clematis in the spring, right? Yeah, we did. (laughs) Yeah. The the wilt always uh, emerges, well, it's usually kind of early to mid-July when we start to see um, see it. I'm just doing a quick search here to see if there are, there's some great images here. Um, Let me just take a peek here and see if I can come up with any what we can do about it sort of thing. Uh, like I said, I've just never treated for it. I just work with it. Okay. But I'll, I'll report back if I've got anything more to add. In the meantime, do as I suggest. And okay. don't hesitate to get some nice, good, fresh compost in around at the base of the clematis just to ensure you've got good, healthy soil there. Now, what I'm wondering is, um, within the spring, our uh, downspout um, got jarred loose mm-hmm. and it flooded that area. Uh, okay. Do you think that's... Uh, what caused it to weaken? Might be because we had some pretty... actually exposed at one point. Yeah, well, that, and that's hard on plants. I mean, that, that's part of the stress of why these diseases happen, yeah. right? When a plant is under stress. Now, if there was a torrent of water and the water washed away and the roots were exposed, and then you went in there and you know pushed the soil back up, that's when you can again cause some injury to those stems, oh, okay. which then opens up for the wilt to enter. I get it. Okay. Thank so you very next much. Next year, be more careful and look after that ba- that downspout. I will be and, and good much luck. better. Okay. Thank good you. luck with the wedding, too. My yeah. Gosh. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, Ellen. Okay. And you're listening to The Gardening Show. We have to take a little bit of a break right now, and then Charlie will be back to talk to our callers. And we have uh, several online, including a first-timer. So stay by. You're listening to The Gardening Show from AM 740's Zoomer Radio. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And this is the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming you to our lines. We'll be back to our callers. Charlie, you wanted just to extend your advice on uh, clematis wilt. Yes, and I just want to clarify, I said something wrong. Number one, uh, what I said wrong is I said clematis wilt is a bacterial disease. It is not. It is a fungal disease. And remember, fungus, any fungal disease, many fungal diseases really thrived this summer because of the high moisture levels and the high humidity. So many of us will have seen clematis wilt as a result. So what do you do when you first see clematis wilt? So at the first sign of wilt, which is what uh, Ellen didn't see, she just saw the whole plant turn brown in front of her eyes, but what really happens is it starts with one stem. So at the first sign of wilt, you're looking at the plant, you see one whole stem is wilted, you go right in there carefully, you cut out the affected stems as close to the ground as possible. Be careful not to injure any of the healthy stems. This is a very tricky thing to do. Nevertheless, you cut those out, remove any fallen leaves because remember, fungal spores will travel from, you know, an infected leaf to healthy leaves. Uh, so, you again, so it's all about good garden hygiene, keep things watered, um, 
da 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 in the fall, as as Ellen said, should I cut it down now? The answer is yes. And of course, she's going to remove everything that she cuts down off the property. How do we prevent wilt? Site your clematis properly, meaning uh, it should go into a site with good, bright sun, good air circulation, and a high-quality, well-drained soil. Make sure when you're planting clematis, you plant them extra deep, just like we plant our tomatoes down deep. You can do the same with clematis. Uh, that way you get lots more roots and you know, get some buds underground. Roots are very important. Um, and going back to, yeah, soil should endure fertilizing in the spring and uh, make sure, of course, that the stems are well-supported. If they're blowing around in the wind, they'll break because they are very brittle. And again, that opens up injury for disease. So, yeah, just proper location, proper culture should minimize the amount of, uh, of wilt that's out there. And, of course, jackmania is a great plant. So, you know, I wouldn't try moving it. Just try and make sure that the downspout isn't wiping all the soil away because <laughs> that heavy, heavy watering will also cause problems. All righty. There is a little addendum added by Charlie. All right, now on to another caller who's listening in from Peterborough. Roberta, good morning and welcome. Morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Um, I have a little problem. I live in the country, mm-hmm. and I have some moles that don't want to leave home. Oh. oh. How can I get rid of them? Moles that won't leave. <laughs> That's cute. Okay, well, do you have a cat? I do, but he's not very effective with moles. Better mm. with chipmunks than mice. Mm, really? Because the moles are under the ground, and they are eating things like grubs. Oh, and I do have those, too. Yeah, so we kind of like the moles for that. Now, of course, they're also eating things like earwigs and, and that. You know, they'll eat, they eat all kinds of little bugs in the soil. But they they're do, making a mess of they, my lawn. Yeah, they make tunnels. And, then and my where, backyard. Yeah, and where the tunnels are, of course, now the roots of the lawn are exposed to the air, and you, the, the lawn dies. Yes, and there's more than one. There's, I think there's a whole neighborhood in there. <laughs> Because I have an acre and a half, yeah. they're having a good time. <laughs> oh, man. It's not easy yeah. to get rid of moles. There are, there are traps. Mm-hmm. There are, um, you can still get what they call sulfur bombs, which is where you, but you have to find, you have to follow all the tunnels and close off and, oh, you wow. know, you yeah. do a, a suffocation thing in the tunnels when the, you know the moles are in them, but you have to make sure there's no exits. Right. Um, and otherwise... I remember reading a long time ago in Organic Gardening Magazine, the most effective mole control was a sharp shovel. A and, sharp shovel. Yeah, and it's because the, when the moles are traveling through the tunnels, y- mm-hmm. you know where they are. Like You can actually see movement. And, of course, it's the, you, you don't want, I don't want to get too graphic on the radio here, right. but <laughs> bottom line, it's one of those sharp shovel things. So uh-huh. there is really no, there's no really good way to get rid of moles. Yeah, without, they seem to do most of their damage when I'm not home or mm-hmm. early in the morning before I'm out and about. Mm-hmm. It's not like a groundhog. Like these are moles for sure. Oh yes, they're no, my small. cat's got a few of them. Yeah. Mm. So um, oh. no, not a groundhog at all. <laughs> Tell that cat to get busy. I will. I will. And thank you for your advice. Okay, okay. you're very Bye-bye welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Roberta. Uh, take care of cottage country up there. And thank you for listening to AM mm-hmm. 740 Zoomer Radio. Matter of fact, we have to take a little bit of a break here and uh, be right back to welcome. Let's see. We've got Eva waiting from uh, Mississauga, first-time caller. So we'll hear the wind chimes momentarily. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. There are the wind chimes, and that means that Ava from Mississauga, first-time caller, is now on the air. Hi, Ava. 
Good morning, John and Charlie. Good morning. I have a question about my hibiscus. I have a very, very beautiful, healthy hibiscus, mm -hmm. and the leaves are very nice and green. Mm -hmm. This is the third year I have it, but this year it didn't bloom at all. No buds on it at all yet? No, no, nothing at all. And you've got it in a good sunny location? Yeah, I put it right in front of the garage, which uh, my garage is south. Okay, perfect. And the sun on it all day long uh, up till uh, 2, 3 o'clock in the, in the afternoon. Okay, and have you fertilized at all? Uh, I put some um, uh, miracle Grow, the mm -hmm. powder. Okay. I mixed it up with water. Okay. And I water it uh, once, mm -hmm. and then nothing happened at all. Okay. And you did that back when, in June or July, the yeah. fertilizer? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So you know what you're going to do now? You are going to make that plant suffer. you got to get mean with that plant. you got to talk to it. you got to tell it that it's got to get some flowers going on. And the way that's going to happen is you are going to stop watering it so consistently. I know in the hot, sunny, southern exposure like that, you're probably watering it every day or every second day. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to don't water it until the leaves start to get a bit limp. So they're right. They're green and they're crisp and they're shiny and they look really healthy. So what you're going to do is whether it takes two days or three days or a week, you're going to wait till those leaves are uh, just to get a little bit of a droop to them. They're not going to be so bright green and they're not going to be so shiny. They're going to get a little bit dull and a little bit pale and they're going to droop a bit. What about when it's raining? <laughs> what about what? When it's raining. Oh, you can't do much about that. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a big plant. You're not going to move it in undercover. So let the rain do its thing. But, um, but that's the one thing you can do is just get, let that plant suffer a bit for lack of watering, which is not to say take it to the point of, you know, drooping so far that now it starts to drop leaves. But you will find that if you can get it suffering a little bit between waterings and wanting water, it will start flowering for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so no pruning, obviously. So, you know, if, if you're going to plan to do any pruning in the next three months, do it now. Because <laughs> you, you don't want to get a bunch of buds on there and then start pruning. To prune it now, you mean? Well, if, you, if it's so big that you're not going to be able to get it in the house, yeah. uh, then prune it now before you get buds on it. Mm -hmm. you know. But if you can avoid pruning it now, that would be better. Because for all you know, there are some tiny, tiny little buds there right now. Okay. Yeah. But, okay. But yeah, that, hibiscus can be very frustrating that they put off the flowering so late in the summer, but they invariably will flower for you if you just give it a little more time and, like I say, let it suffer a bit too. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you very much and have a nice weekend. Thanks, Thank Eva. you very much, you Eva. You know, our mantra is call early, call often, one question per call. Well, Mary in Brampton, second time through this morning. Hello, yes. Mary. Good morning. Well, Talk about a surprise. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, listen, quick question. My husband wants me to, to bring in a geranium mm -hmm. that's doing very nicely now. Do I bring it in the house or do I bring it in the garage? Is it in the ground or in a pot? It's in a pot. You're, well, you can't bring it in. The, the, bring it in the garage won't be good enough. It'll probably die in the garage. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, when I bring geraniums in, my best success has always been to treat them as a house plant. Put them in a sunny window, water as necessary, let them grow all winter in that sunny window. They will often flower indoors. Okay. But if you try and bring it in and make it go dormant, it's tougher. Okay. We don't have, the, unless you have a perfect root cellar where you, it's dark and cool and moist. No, my husband had that when we were in New York City. He had a, a wine cellar. Right. 
And All that's right, where you can over. In, do I cut it back because it's full of blooms or just let it do it naturally? Uh, it, it, I would just do it naturally. You will find that we'll lose a lot of a lot of leaves will turn yellow when you bring it in just because yeah. the light levels are so much lower. Yeah, okay, Main okay. thing is really give it a, a good thorough bath. Ah. Soap and water on the leaves, on the soil. You know, really wash it all down before it comes in. Okay, I'll turn the house into a hospital. <laughs> okay. Yeah, isolating is not bad to start with ah. any plants we bring in. Okay. Okay. Again, have a good holiday. You Thank too. you very much, Thanks. Mary. Bye-bye. Hey, you know, earlier we were talking to a listener about moles, and uh, we have a call now oh, uh, good. Yeah. Uh, from Dorothy in Ennisville, who apparently has a solution to rid your lawn of moles. Well, let's hear about that. Hi, Dorothy. Hi. Hi, um, good, good morning. Good morning to you both, Frank and, and Charlie. Um, it's my first time calling. Oh, oh golly. Welcome. First time caller, just a minute. Yep. Well, James has got those wind chimes. There's your wings. Uh, he blazed anyway, them beautifully. I did have moles in my lawn. I called a fumigator, and the man told me that you can't get any um, solution that way. Mm. He suggested that I go and buy windmills. You know those little garden windmills that you put in the lawn as decorators? Yeah. He said the vibrations from those things chase them away. So my husband and I went out and got myself a good, we had them in both front and backyard, so we got a few of them and put them in the ground, and we never had moles again. Wow. So like the pinwheels, the things that like kids... Windmills. No, not the one. Not uh, the ones that the kids have. You know those those little plastic my, ones. These are the the wooden. You you can find them in the garden, um, in garden places. Yeah, yeah, like a real and you piece them of in sculpture. The, they're they're made out of wood, I guess, yeah. uh, and you stick them in the ground. Huh. And uh, the vibrations from the the windmill turning yeah. chased away my mold. Well, how windmill about that? vibration. Interesting. Yeah. He, that's exactly what he said. He said, forget about trying to fumigate. There's yeah. no way you can't get rid of them. No, so and he I've, I've heard of castor oil. That's the other thing. Castor and also a juicy fruit gum. I forgot about that. But there is this, because moles supposedly are attracted to juicy fruit gum. So oh, my. I didn't know about that. Yeah, the anyway, sticks. Windmills work for you. They didn't even uh, finish digging up the lawn like they they'd started. They took off. Wow, good to hear. Yeah. So, Thanks and for it's that. Expensive. You know, those things don't cost that much to buy. No kidding. All right. Well, I hope Roberta is still listening because she was one who called from Peterborough. <laughs> I hope she has Thanks. Some luck. <laughs> Thanks, Dorothy. That was great, Dorothy. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a nice weekend. Okay. There yeah, you go. See? Yeah. I was remember, or maybe that's more for groundhogs. But the idea is juicy fruit gum. It really smells sweet, eh? Yeah. And it's got to be the stick gum. It can't be like the little chiclet ones, the stick gum. Thick, yeah. You chew it a little bit, right? Just a couple times just to loosen it up. And then you drop that. ABC gum, right? That already been chewed gum into one of the, the holes, whether it's ABC. a groundhog hole. Already been chewed. I like that. Or a, or a mole hole. And they will uh, eat it and they can't pass it. They can't digest it. Oh. So it does cause death, but a sweet death. A sweet death. <laughs> chewed say. right to the very end. That's mm-hmm. right. Chewed well, right to the end. And uh, gee, uh, we don't have time for another caller. No, we but don't. But you have we, another note or two that you wanted I to get on. I always believe. have another note or two. I know you y- do. You know, because mm. it's a nematode time of year oh, for a couple of reasons. Right. yes. We have um, things going on in the garden, in our lawns. For anybody who's got, watch for the grubs now, because now is the time to treat with the nematodes to eliminate if you've got grub damage showing up in your mm-hmm. lawn. You will know you have grub damage because yellow patches are getting bigger as we speak. When you tug on the yellow blades of grass, there are no roots attached. So... <clears throat> When you go to the store and buy your nematodes, they got to be in a refrigerator because they have to be kept at 5 degrees Celsius. If you're not using them right away, you take them home, put them in the fridge. You No, no longer than four weeks between purchase and use of the nematodes. <clears throat> 
Once you mix up the water and those little nematode eggs, you've got two to four hours to apply them. Uh, apply early morning or evening, preferably on a cloudy day. Water immediately and keep the mixture stirred while you're doing the application. Right. Okay. Well, here we go. That's just about uh, all she wrote. That's right. So you, you're back. You've got lots yeah, of Yeah, I'll today. be back at 2.30. Uh, okay. Lots of great music through the afternoon and Excellent. a few live in the city things going nice on. Nice to hear. Lots I, going on today. I know. There's always lots going on. Well, I'm, I'm off to uh, finish moving my, cha- my daughter off to university and get my son ready for his university. And, oh, my gosh, life. September. It's September. Okay. School starts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.